It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast. I'm Dave Richmond. I'm sweet and bald, and right now we have Kyle from LaGrange Barber. How are you, man? What's going on, Dave? I'm sweet and fat. <laughs> and we have uh, the stud of the podcast, Sweet and Skinny. Is that Bubba Rosenbaum? I don't know about the stud of the podcast, but... Yes, um, in, no, 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 I'm not in the Smith Williams. No, I'm not in the Smith Williams Center. You hear the bouncing bat- basketballs. Um, we're playing the quarantine game on horse here. All right, it's, it's Riley winning. We are tied right now. Um, you gotta let him win. That's your son. Come on. Don't Bubba, let him win. Bubba, what, you sound like Stacy. Uh, I, 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 I don't let him win anything. <laughs> I can see. I can see Bubba right now. I, he was sliding for home, and I took him out. I had to take him to the ED afterwards. So, um, come on, I've never Grandma, slid for up. home in a game of horse. Come on, Grandma, <laughs> get up. Dave <laughs> doesn't know how to play horse. Dave, are you sure you coach basketball? I mean, if you're talking about football, <laughs> I know I was talking about football. I know it's a different sport, but he was talking about football. <laughs> if you would knock your grandma down. I know you're talking was, about basketball horse. I know that horse. Yeah. Right, but then you just anyway. think you're talking about football. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm swinging well, for the fences in, the, in this game of horse. Fly for home still with me a football reference, Dave. Are you sure you're doing horse shots? I mean, I was talking about he would tackle his grandma to win the game, but never mind. Oh, okay, all right, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I got you. His grandma's getting ready to go to the one yard line. There's Bubba, and he just takes yeah. her right out. Just like in soccer. Knocked your teeth right out. Um, yeah. Anyway, so let's get a great way to start the podcast. Um, guys, uh, we have to have fun, though. We're through a difficult time, and it's really no joking manner or laughing manner, but at the same time, uh, you have to have uh, some sense of normalcy, and that's why we're still doing the podcast. And uh, Bubba, before we get started with our roundtable, we've got an excellent guest today. I appreciate him coming on. Absolutely. Um, I guess this, this guy is at least third time on the show. Chris Edwards, the yeah. play-by-play voice, the Duke baseball program, and also Duke women's basketball. And, and then most recently, he just launched the uh, Fair Pole podcast. Um, yeah, the show just I- including a variety of baseball guests, and then he he'll uh, focus on the historical aspects and just how the game evolved over the years. And also, he's at uh, he uh, he and I have something coming. He's at WPTF News Radio 680 WPTF in Raleigh, doing some newscasts and some other hosting uh, there. So uh, Chris is awesome, and we'll have him on in just a little bit to see how he's faring as far as being a freelancer and uh, through tough times. And uh, I think he's doing okay. But uh, he he and Bubba, by the way, Kyle have something in common um, with all the craziness going on right now. The honeydew list is even higher than ever. So. It's longer than ever. So, and something else about Chris Edwards, guys. I don't know if I've told y'all this. The way I met Chris Edwards was actually uh, through a, a good friend of ours, Sonny uh, Jay Sunhalter. Yeah. Um, I met him, uh, Chris Edwards. That is, and he and Sonny were. It was when I was at Concord and uh, the Bell game between Kannapolis and Concord, one of the oldest rivalries, if not the oldest rivalry in high school football in the state of North Carolina. Um, they were calling that game back, I guess it was in the fall of uh, 2015, and that's when I met Chris. Well, great uh, friends of the podcast, and uh, certainly we'll have to have Sonny back on uh, very soon to see what he's up to these days. And uh We'll talk to him soon. Guys, I'll tell you what, uh, let's start off with uh, one of the coolest things, um, definitely. Uh, we talked about in our last podcast about it was awesome, the Classic Rewind on WNCT. They need to keep doing it with Ben Hartman uh, kicking that field goal to beat. What I also remember about that game, it was 34-31, the same score that we beat NC State for the Peach Bowl. So I always love that score. Not that it really matters. We won the game, but... I thought that was really cool. And also um, the fact that how many people watch – I would love to know. Maybe we can get Brian Bailey on, our friend Double B, uh, to see how many people – if he knows how many people watch that game. I'll try to see if I can reach out to him. But great uh, great to have that. It was awesome. I hope they continue to do that. Uh, great idea. And then another thing, uh, let's a segue, Bubba, to something that was really cool the baseball team did or the program. 
Yeah, and that's what East Carolina Athletics has done some neat things on social media and YouTube over the last few days on social distancing. Um, they've had three episodes of that. So definitely go to ECU Athletics on YouTube and check those out. And um, they're also probably on their Facebook page and just searching ECU Athletics. Um, those included uh, Coach Houston, um, obviously John Gilbert's hosting. You had both coordinators, Donnie Kirkpatrick and Blake Harrell, and then you had a couple other episodes, like I said, that involved coaches and student-athletes, and then you had the classic rewind. <laughs> but most recently, um, it was really cool what ECU Athletics did with the um, – they're taking a MVP NCAA baseball from 2006 or 2007, and they had East Carolina playing Cincinnati at Clark LeClaire with Corey Glore uh, narrating those um, those five and a half minutes worth of highlights, which um, obviously we knew people greatly miss pirate baseball as well as all the other spring sports. But obviously uh, with, with baseball being right in the heart of its season, um, I mean, if you had any doubt as to how much people were missing Pirate Baseball as well as just this being a cool feature with the video game, um, more than 26,000 and I think now pushing 26,500 viewers for that one little video clip on, on Twitter. So it was, it was very cool. Um, Cliff Godwin was commenting on it, and he and um, – Ryder Giles, the Pirate shortstop, had a little back and forth. Um, yeah. Because I, I had made a comment. I know you saw it, Dave. Yeah. And, and Kyle, I don't probably not because I know you're not on Twitter as much as the two of us. But um, I made a com- yeah. I, I made a comment about the ping of the bats because, like I said, that game came out in 2007. Um, I believe I it was those six. I, I believe it was those six, Bubba. I mean, I well, could be well, wrong. Well, there were there were two editions, so I'm, I'm guessing they were. I'm, I'm guessing they were using the. Yeah, I, I didn't recall that either, uh, but I saw that uh, I saw that when I was looking it up just to confirm the year. But but, but anyway, uh, I'll see where where was I going with that? <laughs> um, oh, Ryder Giles, Ryder Giles. I made a comment about the bats and how that was about four years before the BB core bats were implemented in 2011, and and then so um, Cliff Godwin, um, Ryder Giles, Ryder Giles said um said coach no wonder you hit 15 home runs then and so and so cliff cliff responded and said hey it's the it's the indian not the arrow exactly. <laughs> no doubt about it and that was just a really cool i i've said this guys before that with uh you were talking about the class degree one great the social distancing with the three coaches i've seen that one i haven't seen the other two episodes yet but um, I watched the first episode again, and I'm going to go back and, and see the second and third episode. I can binge watch that for sure on YouTube. But a uh, great job by John Gilbert, um, sponsored by Sudlink. They're doing the social distancing. That was great. And then with the highlights, Corey Gore is fantastic and um, another great thing. And um, by the way, guys, a sidebar really quick on uh, basically what they're doing is making lemonade. It's awesome to keep the excitement around the program. It's fantastic. The promotion has been awesome. Uh, but NASCAR, NASCAR, if you guys haven't seen it, you need to check it out. They do a fantastic job of where they were supposed to have the races. They didn't. And the last two weeks, they've done uh, what's called iRacing, where they actually have the drivers. It's basically like a, a souped-up, if you will, video game. And you have the drivers of, like, even Dale Jr.'s participated. You know, he won, I don't know how many years in a row, the most popular driver to have him do it, and then last uh, the first one I know, Denny Hamlin beat him out at the very end. It was very exciting, even though it's more like a video game you're watching. But they had the whole Fox crew, like Mike Joy and and uh, Jeff Gordon. How long did that last, Dave? Oh gosh, I'll have to go back. I didn't even pay attention how long. Um, I mean, it's not it like can't, it's can't not, be like a regular race. I mean, no, 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 no. I don't. Need, it may be not. So I can't remember. I'll have to look again. But it was fantastic, and uh, they're going to continue to do it, and I think it's great for the sport. Um, I don't know how long. It's one of those situations, I don't know how long that it will last. Will the chewing gum lose its flavor? I don't know. But I'm glad they took a chance. They took a chance, and, I mean, a million viewers to watch that, I think, is a really big deal. And um, the, the owner of Southern National Motorsports Park, Michael Diaz, had a great point. Um, in iRacing, they go to different tracks around the country, and he – he brought up the fact, why don't we have it where they can go to local tracks like like Southern National Motorsports Park, or maybe you could even have one 
where they could go to uh, tracks like Hickory or different ones that had Nashville had was big back in the day for NASCAR. Of course, uh, who can forget North Wilkesboro? But anyway, um, it's a really cool thing. If you get a chance, check out iRacing. It's awesome. And um, if you love racing. You. Do you remember when, when the Busker National Series used to run up at South Boston? And yeah. Then, uh, and then down yeah. to Rockingham would be a great one. I mean, they, they you know, like that. So, of course, Darlington. I mean, there's some, there's some that are still on the track. They're legendary tracks um, with Bristol and in Martinsville, but anyway, I just, uh, I thought it was really cool, and I love what East Carolina did with baseball there, and uh, with the classic rewind, all the stuff that's uh, going on, so I want to give them a tip my you hat to them. You're out of breath here in a minute, Dave. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm and, yeah, good. and yeah, guys, as far as those highlights are concerned, um, with the video game, that was something out of the box, and pretty cool that the athletic department did. I know Corey was thanking ECU Athletics on Twitter for letting him take part in it, but um, did he get paid? Did they pay him? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. That's that's the uh, that's the million dollar question, but uh, but yeah, that's what just not having seen pirate baseball here in three weeks, and it and it certainly seems longer than that. And I almost felt like I was watching the highlights from an actual game. I, I'm like I'm so starved for pirate baseball. Yeah, and that it just goes back to. Um, how bad the you have the feel for those athletes and with uh, coach in the first one uh social distancing cliff godwin made a great point about there's no question how competitive that guy is and that's what you appreciate about him you not only appreciate about how competitive he is you appreciate how much of uh he's a pirate he knows what it means to be a pirate being local um and the fact uh but he made a great point about the social, um, not the social, but the interaction between the players and him being the coach, he misses that the most. He, he said, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So all those guys on the team were like sons to him. And um, he misses that day-to-day um, interactions with the players um, the most. And um, I know it's got to be hard for him. And you look at <clears throat> guys, another point I want to make is on the episode, it got me thinking with Kurt Kraft and, um, and certainly with um, – Coach Jabs with uh, the swimming. I mean, you got a situation where both those guys have people that were competing for a national championship, and they were in. And Kurt Krause, they talked about that. He's actually at the event for his one of you know a couple. I think it was two or three guys, two or three people, uh, men and women there that were competing. I can't remember the exact amount. And how about the fact that they think they're going to compete? That that he's the coach there. The players think they're going to compete for a national championship, and oh no! By the way, it's canceled. Um, it's just like it's it's heart it's gut wrenching, and um, everybody can say all day long that's never played a sport that is uh, that's just a sport. It's just a game. Um, when you go and spend the hours that those coaches do with the, all the academic folks, with the staff, with the players, um, <laughs> to tell them that it's just a game. Uh, so. Um, but anyway, I just felt bad for them. That's what hurts the most um, athletically is there's players in the high school level even that will never suit up again. They'll never play. Um, and that hurts really bad that they'll never get another shot. So um, we'll find out. Uh, I know, Bubba, there was a vote today, right, that by the time this podcast airs, people will know. We don't know at this time when we're recording here on Monday afternoon. But at some time today, we'll find out what maybe a first step or what they're going to do as far as eligibility goes for the baseball yeah. or spring sports. Yes, and um, to to find out when that's released, I'd just encourage you to, if you're on Twitter, follow at D1 Baseball. Just at D1 Baseball. Um, D1 is just the letter D, and then the one. so um, yeah. If you if you go on there, Kendall Rogers, Aaron Fid, and the guys at D1 Baseball, they'll certainly update it as soon as the news breaks. And um, kind of transitioning, talking about voting, going from one winner in Pirate Baseball to another winner, uh, a national champion. Uh, obviously, Sup Dogs in yeah. downtown Greenville won. Sup Dogs was the national champion last year as far as best uh, or barstool best bar. And this year, is it? I think it's the final against Maryland. It's, it's at least the final yeah, it's four. Final. Okay, final. it's the, the final against the University of Maryland's um, Barstool Best Bar, whatever the name of their bar is, I, I don't recall. Doesn't matter. And, and like uh, Scott Van Pelt of Sports Center and ESPN says, um, he 
he said that he he knows that it's quite possible that they're going to take the L, that they're going against a machine and sup dogs. So if you haven't voted, and and you can certainly uh, get on Twitter and vote, and just by voting hashtag Barstool Best Bar, hashtag Barstool Sup Dogs, and it has to have both both of those hashtags in order for the vote to count. So uh, I'm not sure. If, I think maybe you can vote once a day. That would be yeah. great. I, when's the actual deadline? Do, you, do we know? I can't. I do not. I do not know. I, I can't recall. Uh, for some reason, I'm wanting to say it's uh, Wednesday, but it may not. It yeah, may not be up. then. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming up. I just couldn't remember the exact uh, the exact day. I didn't look at it closely like I should, but uh, I, I believe Sub Dogs and uh, it's going to win it. By the way, last year they had a Kyle's favorite DJ there last year. Do you remember that, Kyle? Uh, my favorite DJ? I, I, yeah. I have a favorite DJ? Besides me, yeah, of course. Um, uh, oh, yeah. yes, I do remember exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Uh, DJ Carter Cruz. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, uh, he's a proud power pirate alum, Carter Cruz. If you don't know who Carter Cruz is, uh, Google it, not safe for work. Um, uh, <laughs> pr- pr- yes, uh, I'm a big fan of Carter Cruz, so sure all yeah. males are. Um, but it's... But anyway, uh, hey guys, wanted to mention, um, yeah, I'm sure everybody's heard this by now, uh, but uh, wanted to uh, mention that uh, Joe Diffie passed away at Convocations due to COVID-19. Um, Joe Diffie was a huge country star in the 90s, uh, up to the early 2000s, and uh, so huge loss to the country music community. Got to see him in concert last May. And a uh, personal note with Joe Diffie, and uh, surprised I haven't mentioned this to now. I hadn't even mentioned it to Jessica. Um my wife and I, the first song we ever heard together when we were dating was uh, Joe Diffie is Always Something. Um, so uh, I had a little personal connection there with Joe Diffie. And, um, and tough loss to anybody who, who was a fan of country music from, uh, you know, 91 through 2000. That's when he had his brunt. So. Yeah, it's a, I'll tell you, this is a story I've never shared with anybody. So you guys – and now the, our listeners um, in Sports Objective Land will know. I went to uh, – I love to do mission work, and I went with a good friend of mine who was the associate pastor of a church I was going to in Wilson, Forest Hills Baptist. And I was living there in Wilson at the time in uh, 2009. September 2009, I went to um, to Turkey uh, to a church, and uh, it was a great experience. I miss, I'm actually in Istanbul, Turkey. And I'm missing country music. I'm missing, you know, everything American. And I'm literally walking off the plane, and I started singing. I don't know why. It was just one of those random moments. But I love Joe Diffie, and I started singing Prop Me Up Beside the Jukebox If I Die because it was so surreal not to hear, you know, country music. American music was totally different. And um, and I'm sure they would feel the same way if they came to America. Um, but I was like, I've got to have something American. You know, I was thinking about that. The first thing I thought of was Joe Diffie. So I was a huge fan of him. And um, and the thing about Joe Diffie that's amazing is how many hits that dude had. Like I was looking at again oh, yeah. last night. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, he had a lot of hits. Like he's the kind of guy that you remember this hit. John Deere Green. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's one of those people that you know, it, it, people. I don't. I think some people don't realize how many hits he had. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Deere Green, Honky Tonk Attitude, Pickup Man, uh, is always something. Uh, ships that don't come in, Home, uh, The Devil Dancing in Empty Pockets. Pockets. Uh, Devil Dancing in Empty Pockets. Uh, I'm gonna find me a new way to light up an old flame. Um, uh, 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 probably upside the jukebox, as we mentioned. Um, uh, if you want me to, um, yeah, I mean we could keep going. Did you say the ships didn't come in? Yeah, the ships, the ships that don't come in. Ah, we're we're forgetting one. It was yeah, huge, bigger than the Beatles. Um, she got a love bigger than the Beatles. Um, yes. Uh, third rock from the sun. Um, I mean, bunch of bunch of hits. I, he, he I know that was one of the ones that I I first remember hearing back in the day. Um, Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, yeah. The first Joe Diffie song I can remember hearing was probably If the Devil Dance in Empty Pockets. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. But that, um, it's just a huge loss. And, and guys, um, 
We're reporting this podcast again on Monday afternoon, but John Prine, if you all have never heard of John Prine, he is really yeah. good. Um, he is in critical condition. Um, I've checked all throughout the day. I, I haven't seen any updates, so no news is good news. But both he and his wife, uh, Fiona, contracted uh, the coronavirus, unfortunately. John's had at least one, I think, two bouts with cancer, if my memory serves me right. So and he's elderly and he's overweight. So. 73, yeah, he's 73 years old, overweight, two bouts with cancer. He's had chemo treatments. Um, I'm just really nervous. They had to. He's in a basically a coma um, right now. So uh, I'm just really worried about him. How about the lead singer? Uh, not lead singer, but um, the well, he was a lead singer, but the writer for songwriter for I Love Rock and Roll, uh, the, the the actual famous uh, song from 1982 from Joan Jett. That's the song that really put him yeah. in. A, yeah, I, uh, Alan not Merrill. Somebody else. I mean, it's, it's a lot of a lot of people. In the music industry, uh, I've been affected by this. And, you know, he passed away. Uh, Joe Diffie passed away, and unfortunately, it's sad to In the say, opera John, world, did you see um, John Prine? Probably will. I did not. He passed away, or has he just got it? No, he's he's uh, really sick in Mexico. He had to be hospitalized yesterday. I haven't heard any more, but that was uh, <laughs> late yesterday afternoon. It was early evening when I first saw it, so... Um, I don't know the story there, but we're, uh, that's one of the things when this story, uh, as far as phenomenon, the, the virus, the whole nine yards, is so fluid, it changes by the second. When we record these podcasts, um, we would have to pretty much record around the clock to be able to keep up. But the point being, there's a whole bunch of um, actors, um, and then there's it's sad because there's um, you have the coronavirus people that are passing away, and then you have um, guys, the lead soap opera guys, um, one from All My Children, um, passed away, Callahan uh, is the last name, but he was very famous um, on All My Children for many years. If you saw his picture, you know, back in the 80s. And, of course, he, it seems like it's been forever ago, but just this past Saturday, uh, was it this past Saturday? Remember, when, when did Kenny Rogers die? Last, been a week? last Saturday. Yeah, it was okay. last Friday night. All right, it all, it all blends together, man. It all blends yeah. together. <clears throat> Um, and then a famous, and there was also one more, um, Jan Howard, I think her name is, but a very famous uh, country singer from way back in the day passed away. Who? Um, <clears throat> she's a Grand Ole Opry. Jan Howard? I think that's her name, yeah. I'll look, double check, but yeah. Never I think she was like nine, but she was not, it was not, what I'm saying is, what's sad is the um, the coronavirus, as far as people passing away now, is trumping the People are just passing away from um, uh, between old age or like the gentleman, uh, all my children had a major stroke. Um, and that was being reported. I'm just saying that it's just, uh, it's just crazy. It's just crazy times. That's the only way to, to describe it. So hopefully these folks will, um, that we talked about with John. Yeah, let's hear from Chris Edwards, the play by play voice of the Duke Blue Devils in. Baseball, women's basketball, and also the host of the Fair Pole Podcast. Let's go to that conversation now. Well, we continue to do shows, even though we don't really have uh, baseball games to talk about. But, Bubba, we've got a, a friend of the podcast back on, and uh, glad to have him back. Absolutely. The play-by-play voice of Duke Baseball, and also I believe you still do women's basketball, and also the, the host of the newly launched uh, Fair Pole Podcast. Welcome into the show, Chris Edwards. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Great to be back on with you guys. And you also have something in common with me. You're actually now working at WPTF. So uh, That's people right. can News Radio 680, WPTF in Raleigh. I'm all over the place. I've got to do something to stay busy and pay the bills, right? Certainly. And uh, well, let's, talk about, let's talk about, I guess, first of all, for people that don't know, you do play-by-play for Duke. And uh, as far as baseball in this particular case, uh, Duke, I'll tell you one thing. I told the guys whenever Coach Pollard was hired that that was an excellent hire. I'm originally from Durham. Um, Duke baseball um, has suffered for a long, long time. And when I saw that hire, honest to God, I said, Kevin White, uh, being a great athletic director, they've made a commitment now to baseball. And and lo and behold, man, uh, the last few years has just been incredible. How has that experience, first of all, how has that, let's talk about a positive. How has that experience been for you? calling the games. I know it has to feel great. Yeah, you know, it, you're right. It was a home run hire, and I've been so lucky 
to be in on the on the ground floor of that. Um, Coach Pollard actually hired me to do to do the baseball games on the radio, which is is kind of rare, I think. But to be able to to get a firsthand look at where the program was when Coach arrived in 2013, and now you look at what we were hoping was going to happen in 2020, and the way that the team got off to that great start, 12 and four, took two of three from Florida State. But not only that, to see just the resurgence of the program to go to back-to-back Super Regionals, be a game away from Omaha two years in a row, and to do it in two different ways. You look at the 2018 team that really was there from start to finish, won over 40 games, versus the team last year that had to scratch and claw their way to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, at one point, Duke last year was 3-9 and nine to start conference play, and you're looking at it, you're thinking, okay, maybe this is not our year, but then they start putting things together, had a great April a big midweek win over Texas Tech last year, which I think probably got Duke into the NCAA tournament, and then go on the road to Morgantown and sweep a regional that was full of some really, really good arms is a testament to how this club and this program can play in any style of baseball game that presents itself. And I think that goes back to Coach Pollard and his two main philosophies of pitching and defense. And if you can pitch it and you can play good defense and not beat yourself, you're going to be in every game. That's what he's tried to instill, that and the fact that he and Josh Jordan, the recruiting coordinator, have found a way to bring in this talent, this ACC uh, caliber talent, to Duke, a a program that historically wasn't getting that kind of talent, has been so impressive. And I think overall, this is probably one of the more underrated programs nationally. People don't talk about Duke on a year-in and year-out basis. But you give Duke a little more time, I think it's just a matter of when, not if, this team gets to Omaha. You you bring that up. That's a great point, uh, Chris, with uh, Omaha and uh, locally for us in Greenville. Um, you know, it's it's amazing with the this whole turn of events that's happened because uh, it's kind of like one of those things where if you're a pro um, baseball fan and you it's spring training, uh, then you have optimism, and then all of a sudden by the All Star break, you go, okay, next year it's going to be next year, guys. It's going to be next year. I mean, look how many years. The fans for the Cubs waited, mm-hmm. um, and it's the same thing I think for East Carolina. And I guess you could kind of make an argument for Duke that um, it's been a long time, and then now uh, you guys are so close in Durham, and then the two teams kind of have um, similar, um, I guess, in the recent years. Uh, it's nice to see. Another thing that's nice about, I think, about baseball is the fact that everybody plays everybody. It's a nice yeah. feeling to see that that you uh, as far as in state goes and we could go on and on about that but just simply i love the fact that um, you guys have and durham have um really built that program with coach pollard and you came in and uh, it's just really nice to see and then i know with the pitching this year has been was uh off to a great i thought uh, from afar uh, looking at it things were looking good there and you feel like your chances after you have that unbelievable season last year where the expectations i'm sure or not that, and then you're like, man, this year is looking soft to a great start. And um, how does it feel now? I know uh, how is Coach Pollard. I saw a lot of the posts on Twitter, his tweets. Uh, how is he and the team handling such a difficult situation? You know, I think it's been tough for everybody. Um, we we all thought that this was going to be a year that was going to be very special for the Blue Devils. Hopefully, having another deep postseason run. And I think everyone, at least, I don't, I don't want to speak for Coach, but for me personally, uh, you're starting to, to kind of get used to that new norm, that, okay, hey, there, there's not going to be a season. Um, I, I know for Coach and for the rest of the staff it was tough. Um, it kind of came as a shock to everybody that the season got truncated like it did. But it, it hurts. I, I think everybody will tell you that, that it hurts. And you've got guys that are going to be draft guys, we presume, depending on the way they shake the draft out this year, and I think we'll talk about that later, but there, there are guys that could come back. There are guys that obviously won't be back. And this group of, of guys, to only be able to play, what, 16 regular season games together, obviously they were around each other every day from the start of the, the school year, but to have this group only together for 16 games, I think is what hurts the most, knowing how good this team could have been when we get to May and June and, and so on and so forth. And and when you're talking about baseball, um, it's such a, a grind. It's such a – I tell the fans all the time, the people that, you know, they're, they're on the ledge. Uh, you lose a, a game. Um, it's great that the expectations are high in Greenville, for example. Um, but you lose a game and then, you know, like the, you hear people that 
they sound like they coached a baseball team before. Um, they sound like they played before. Some haven't played or coached. Um, and then all of a sudden you start winning, and it's amazing how fans are so fickle. But um, I just the thing that I hurt for the most, and I've told everybody about it. There's a lot of kids in high school and/or college that will never play a sport anymore, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm going back to that over and over again in my head about what it's like to not be able to play a sport anymore. Um, you can play in the backyard all day long. Um, you can play at the park, but you can't play for a school. How about the kids that, um, strangely enough, there are kids that wanted to play for Duke. They wanted to play for Coach Pollard. They wanted to. They were building something. Best the thing for me too. I was thinking about Coach Pollard. Is um, was seeing those tweets. You got a guy that's really building this program, a lot of momentum. And then it's like going 100 miles an hour, and all of a sudden you slam on brakes. Um, and how difficult it is when I was in a situation as a coach where the athletic director that was there before I got there, he just didn't hire a football coach. Yeah. So we went one year without a football team, and it took four years, three to four years, to correct that problem, that mistake. And so not that that's a very small thing, on a small level compared to college baseball division one. But my point is there's so many issues. That's what I wanted to segue now to uh, Chris. There's so many issues that we've never had to deal with before. And I understand the whole virus thing. We're not like make downplaying the virus thing. Just if you're looking at the college athletic side of things, the business side of things, you look at coaching. Now the question becomes about eligibility I want to get to let's start there. What do you think about eligibility and do these guys? I know how you feel, but I'll let you put it out there. How do you feel about the guys getting an extra year? Yeah, you know, I think it's a slippery slope, Dave. Right. And I want to obviously be sensitive to the fact of what is going on, not just in our country, but worldwide with COVID 19 and, and the severity of that because it's a real situation and it's a severe situation. And I understand that. Um, but you look at just from a college athletic standpoint, you know, I kind of hem and haw a little bit. I've gone both ways. Knowing a lot of these kids that would come back to get that extra year of eligibility, uh, I don't know that you can give everyone a year back because I think that's a little bit unfair. Uh, <clears throat> but the seniors, for sure, I think deserve another year of eligibility just because they had their whole season ripped out. You look at Duke, 16 games played, some teams maybe 20, some teams maybe 13 or 14. I think it's unfair to those kids, those seniors who have put in three, four years to be in that position, especially like at a Duke. I think the kids like a, a Bill Chilari who stepped in and was a vital part of Duke's weekend rotation last year, uh, getting them to a super regional. Uh, a guy like Eli Herrick, who's a junior college transfer, who's in his second year at Duke and who was primed to be maybe a draft guy this year. I think about those guys who could really benefit from another year of eligibility, especially if we only have five or ten rounds in the Major League Baseball draft, which was what was proposed last week. So I think you give the seniors a year of eligibility. I hope that's what happens. But then that raises other issues, too, because what happens when you give these guys an extra year? The draft is only five, ten rounds, so the guys that you were thinking as juniors are going to go, they're not going to get drafted. They're probably coming back to school. And then you've got this influx of talent from the high school level that probably is not going to go in the large numbers that they have gone to the draft in years past because simply the scouts have not been able to see a high school kid now for almost two years. Sure, they might have seen some showcases back in the fall, but you don't have any current body of work on these high school seniors. So I think you're going to see an influx of talent regardless of what happens with the seniors. I think you're going to see a lot of talent infiltrate the college game, and you're going to see an uptick in talent in the collegiate level next year. But I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens if, A, the seniors are given another year of eligibility, and you only have five or ten rounds in the Major League Baseball draft, what does the NCAA then do from a scholarship and a roster standpoint? Because currently you're only allowed to have 35 guys on your roster in the spring, and in the ACC you can only travel with 27 men on your travel roster within conference play. I think if you're going to stick to that model, then you can't give the seniors another year of eligibility because it's just not fair to anyone. But if you're going to give the seniors a year of eligibility – You've got to suspend the scholarship limits maybe for a couple of years and expand the rosters because this is not going to be just a one-year thing. This is not going to be just a 2020-2021 issue because now you're looking at a whole recruiting cycle 
that has been right. impacted by this. So this is going to end up being a four, five, six-year issue that the NCAA is going to have to deal with. And I'm not sure that people are seeing the big picture. I think a lot of times we become short-sighted in situations like this. And while it might be the right thing to do, there are a lot of questions that are going to go along with this, and I'm not sure that people are prepared to have those tough conversations yet. Chris, when guys talk about college baseball, you think of names like Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball um, from a media perspective, also Kyle Peterson with ESPN. And I saw those gentlemen uh, putting out some interesting thoughts this morning. Like Kendall Rogers said, um, the vote will take place later today. Um, Basically one of four outcomes, I mean, you're either going to have Seniors, like you mentioned, getting an extra year. Everyone getting an extra year. All spring sport athletes, or in this case, baseball. Um, you, you could have nobody getting an extra year, or the the decision is going to be delayed until later on in the summer. Uh, so, um, and then you also had Kyle Peterson uh, saying that he hopes the NCAA and he would encourage them to give all spring sport athletes the option of another year of eligibility. And I know, like you said, um, that's something that it sounds good, and. Uh, I really do agree with Kyle. I think that that should be the way we go, but that's a very, very complex process if that's the decision that they make. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll I'll be honest with you guys. I fully expect one of two outcomes to happen today. Either they grant the seniors an extra year of eligibility as a compromise or they push the vote until later because I I think that we're still too early in the process to kind of understand where things are going to go. So I fully expect this vote to be pushed back a little further into the summer to give athletic directors and conferences time to really work through some of the logistics because I, I know what the what Division Two has done, and they have granted another year of eligibility to, I think, just the seniors. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but I know Division Two has taken some action already. But Division Two, it's a little bit easier to go and make those actions uh, only because you're going to be able to weed some of those players out because I don't think there are the, the scholarship limits in Division Two that there are in Division One, so that's a little bit easier. But I think from a Division One standpoint, there are certainly more questions, more issues, more money involved, especially now that the NCAA announced last week they're cutting their distribution to the schools by $300-plus million because there was no men's basketball tournament this oh, year. Man. The NCAA lost a lot of revenue. So then what happens to these athletic departments? One, how do you pay for all these kids to be back on campus? And two, where do you house these kids? Because in some schools, athletes are only allowed to live on campus. You can't live off campus. If that's the case, where do you put all these bodies? Where do you put all the dorms? There are more logistical questions than just what happens on the field. No doubt about it. And um, one thing I was going to ask you, Chris, as far as uh, we talked to a pre-show meeting, if you will, a pre-show interview, um, one of the things that's driving me crazy over the years uh, with baseball is only having 11.7 scholarships. Uh, every sport, not every kid is going to college kid is going to get a scholarship. We all know that. There's some leagues like the Ivy League that doesn't have scholarships, and other leagues. But for me, when you look at a 35 man roster and you only have 11.7, especially with the and I know it, the three of us on on this interview on the show are very pro baseball, especially college baseball. Um, we obviously want more scholarships, but I really believe that the sport deserves that. I think the popularity is growing every single year, thanks to ESPN, a lot of the radio, television outlets, the media. There's just so mm-hmm. much more coverage now, and uh, I feel like this is the perfect time. We have a chance at the table right now as far as negotiating and getting more scholarships. And then the other thing that I was thinking, is there any way that we could have a freshman team or some kind of thing for a few years to give the guys experience? I don't know. I was just trying to throw out ideas to to help as far as the roster is concerned, maybe have another team. I don't know. I was just trying to figure out what we could do. Yeah, you know, a couple of things on that. I was actually talking to somebody earlier today um, for another show that I was putting together about I think now we're in an unprecedented time, obviously, from – the, the flux in the state of games and sports in general. But I think now we're at a critical time where we could start to reshape college athletics and athletics in general, maybe to be more fair, more favorable to the student athlete. And I think the 11.7 is a great thing to go ahead and change, especially if you're going to grant the seniors another year of eligibility. You're going to have to expand your scholarship limit. I think now is a perfect time to do that and let that be the new norm I also think if you're going to start tweaking things, and we don't need to get into this now because it's another broader topic, but if you're going to expand the scholarship limit, you need to go ahead and hire a third paid assistant for college baseball and college softball as well to make it equal. 
But that that's a whole different issue. Uh, as far as the JV teams or the freshman teams, I think, yeah, that, will, that may not be a bad idea if you're not going to expand the roster limits during the season. I think, yeah, you need to have uh, JV is the wrong term, but, but maybe a younger squad. Maybe you have a, a team that goes out and plays more of a local schedule in the fall to get some experience. And maybe that, for lack of a better term, weeds out some guys that maybe aren't as talented or, or don't necessarily want to go through the daily grind of a college baseball season. Maybe that is the way to go. I think that's certainly an option and something worth taking a look at. Chris, something I wanted to ask you about, uh, an awesome opportunity you had this year as a broadcaster. I believe it came against Cornell um, there at the DBAP. Um, you, you had the opportunity to describe um, Bryce Jarvis's perfect game. Wow, yeah, that was that was fun. Um, that was the first perfect game I'd ever called, and I started thinking back on it a little bit after the game. That was the fifth game that I did uh, of the season because of my women's basketball conflicts as well. So that was my fifth game of the season, and you go back and look at the last two games that I called at Nashville the previous season in the Super Regional. In the span of seven games, I called Kumar Rocker's no-hitter and Bryce Jarvis's perfect game. Uh, so that was pretty crazy when you start when you start thinking about it. And the other interesting caveat to that story, guys, is Bryce Jarvis was the losing pitcher to Kumar Rocker's no-hitter in Nashville on that uh, Saturday night, uh, and Jarvis pitched well enough probably to send Duke to Omaha if Kumar Rocker doesn't throw a no-hitter that night, Jarvis will have one run and five hits over seven innings. Uh, but looking at his game this year, boy, guys, he was obviously unhittable. He was filthy, featured what four pitches for strikes. He threw 94 pitches. Uh, only one ball left the infield. It was just an unbelievable night. And I didn't start realizing what was going on until maybe after the sixth inning. I happened to look up at the line score at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park where Duke plays their home games. And I looked in it at zeros in the uh, in the hit column, and no errors obviously for Duke. So I looked at the guy sitting next to me that was calling the game with me, and former Duke player James Zimba, and I said, "Hey, James," and he goes, "Yeah, I know." Um, and so then you start to think, okay, well, how am I going to describe this? Or am I going to be one of those guys that says, "By the heck with it," I'm just going to say he's throwing a perfect game, or am I going to not talk about it? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I I try to fall somewhere in the middle because I don't want to come out and say, oh, he's throwing a perfect game unless they're throwing a perfect game against the Blue Devils, then I'll talk about it until the, the cows come home. Um, but but for Jarvis that night, I'm like, you know what, I, I've got to find a way to incorporate it to let the folks at home know what's going on, but without saying it. So uh, at one point I was, I think I said, uh, 21 up, 21 down. Uh, Jarvis is six outs away from what could be a perfect night, just little subtle hints like that to the point where uh, – if you didn't know what was going on, you weren't really paying attention. But it's just funny to me, and maybe this is just baseball and how great baseball is, that on a random Friday night in February where we had snow that day. Remember, it snowed or I think it was ice. Something crazy happened uh, weather-wise to where yeah. we didn't think we were going to be able to play the game that day. Um, and give the Bulls grounds crew a ton of credit for getting the field ready. Uh, Duke was the only team in the triangle that played a game that day. And wouldn't you know it, when it's 40-something degrees outside and snow piled up on the banks around the ballpark, uh, junior right-hander goes out and throws a perfect game. Unbelievable. That's a great, definitely a great story. And I remember telling Bubba about that with uh, Jake Kuchmeyer last year at mm -hmm. Maryland on the Sunday, the last game of the series, throws a, a perfect game. And then I was like, how cool is it that you have Jarvis throw a perfect game for Duke? And uh, we're talking about the level of, play in the state of North Carolina is just phenomenal. The players, and you were talking about the players with that uh, Coach Pollard is getting and uh, with recruiting coordinators as well. How are they getting kids? Everybody knows academic standards, and baseball players tend to have a higher GPA anyway. Uh, how are they getting the kids to come to Duke University? Obviously, um, someone that's from Durham, I know how great the university is, but how, how are they getting kids that traditionally wouldn't go to Duke are coming now? I think there's a, it's multifaceted, Dave. I think obviously the first thing you start with is the success that Duke has had recently. Back-to-back -back super regionals. They've been to regional three times in the last four years. Uh, and you can start to see, you know, that, hey, Duke is on the cusp of something great. You couple that with the fact that you play every single home game in a major, in a minor league ballpark, in a triple A ballpark, the home of the Durham Bulls. So you couple those things together with the chance to do something really special and play for a tremendous baseball coach and a tremendous baseball staff. Seems like a no-brainer to me, plus Durham is just a phenomenal area 
forget Duke, forget the, how great the university is. Durham's a great city. And, look, let's be honest, it's a chance to play in the Atlantic Coast Conference, which is one of the top two or three baseball conferences year in and year out. And look at the talent that the ACC has produced at the next level that have gone on to play in the big leagues. And I think it sort of sells itself. Sure. You know, you look at the way that Coach Pollard and Coach Jordan have started to construct their roster, really the program's starting to sell itself here in the last couple of years. Chris, I wanted to ask you, um, with the hiatus we're currently going through in the sports world, not only in college baseball, but essentially all sports, um, uh, you obviously took the opportunity to uh, start your own podcast, and you're calling it the, the Fair Poll Podcast. I had the opportunity to listen to your first edition, uh, an abbreviated version where you're simply explaining uh, what the podcast will entail and why you started it to uh, hone your skills and, sh- and just keep and keep them uh, sharp uh, during this hiatus. So just tell our listeners about the Fair Poll Podcast. Yeah, you know, something that's been on my radar for a while, uh, Bubba, and I've never, one, had the time to do it just because of how crazy the baseball season is where you've got a game going on seemingly every single day, and if you're not doing a game, you're prepping for a game. Uh, but it's something I've wanted to do, and I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted the podcast to be or if anyone would even listen to me yap on for 20 or 30 minutes about who knows what. Uh, but a lot of people persisted and said, okay, you need to do something. So I gave it some serious thought. Um, and I've been on this um, quest for the last several years to get our baseball lexicon to change, to start calling it the fair pole and not the foul pole, because the pole is in fair territory, and if the ball hits the pole, it's a home run. So why wouldn't we call it the fair pole? Um, so that's kind of the whole premise of the podcast. And then I want to just talk baseball with people, people that work in all aspects of the game, about their life in baseball, why they chose that profession, how they got to where they are, and really make it a conversational piece and hopefully put folks learn more about the game and take more of an interest in the game. So that was kind of my groundwork. I also wanted to talk about the history of the game a little bit. Last week I talked about where the box score originated and how we've gotten to the present-day box score. This week I talked about the history of the home run a little bit and who hit the first home run in Major League Baseball history. But I also had a really good conversation with Will Little, Major League Baseball umpire. Will became a full-time umpire in 2015, and he has become one of the best umpires in Big League Baseball, consistently rated as the best ball strike umpire in MLB. So I wanted to talk to Will. He had a great conversation, and I'm looking forward to hopefully having some other great guests on coming up. I've got some things in the works. Don't want to give too much away, but the podcast will be up every single Monday. Uh, You can get that right now on Apple Podcasts. It's on Stitcher. It's on Spotify. I don't know if it's on the Google Play Store yet. I haven't checked. It's probably bad on my part. Uh, But you can also check out uh, my Twitter account, or you can follow at Fairpole Podcast on Twitter to get more information. I appreciate you asking about it. Yeah, one of one of the things I really like that you're doing, um, like you're saying, talking about the history of the box score, um, whether it's that or I mean, just the way the game evolves, whether it's the rules or what have you. And that was very interesting what you were saying as far as um, how the K came about as an abbreviation for strikeout, with it being the last letter in the word struck. Yeah, crazy. It, like it's just simple things like that that you don't think of. You're like, well, how the heck did that happen? And it's something just as simple as oh. The letter K seems good, so we'll just put a K there. Or the crazy thing this week, I talked about the history of the home run, and until the 1930s, any ball that bounced one time and then was caught off the bounce in the outfield was considered an out. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Well, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's part of the game. That's fun. I mean, that's part of the, the great part of uh, baseball period overall is the history of the game, the stats. I'll tell you what, Bubba Rosenbaum is the best at stats. Uh, <laughs> I, I usually know if the team won or lost. Uh, that's my stat, but he, he really does a great job of that. In baseball, you have to be a stats freak to be able to, uh, with the, you were talking about the box score, uh, very a lot of fun stuff. Uh, obviously, uh, with your time now, in addition to the podcast, are you having a chance to listen to more music, or how else are you uh, handling the time off? Um, well, I've got a honeydew list that's about a mile long that I kept <laughs> hey, telling my wife. I was, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I, I, kept, I knew I wasn't by myself, Dave. <laughs> I kept telling my wife, I was like, hey, I'll get to this whenever I have time, uh, whenever the summer rolls around. Well, uh, summer came early, so the honeydew list is pretty long. Um, so, uh, yeah, try to listen to a little more music. I got a uh, an electric uh, smoker, like a meat smoker for Christmas. So I've been smoking a lot of meat um, for 
my family and some people that live in the neighborhood, uh, but with, within social distancing, of course, because we can't not social distance. And uh, I've got a couple of books that have been on my radar that I've started to try to get through that I've wanted to read, but obviously just don't usually have time. So just trying to better myself, uh, may, maybe exercise a little more, uh, not stay up so late, and just uh, try to be a better person in general, I think, guys. But other places in Durham, uh, Durham's got a tremendous selection of restaurants. Are there any oh. places you're going to help uh, as far as takeout is concerned? Well, n- now, I am very partial to Tobacco Road Sports Cafe. They have three oh, yeah. locations in Durham, Chapel Hill, and Raleigh. I do think that the one in Durham is the only one that is open, though. Uh, Tobacco Road has been great to me that we host our women's basketball and our baseball radio shows there. So Rami and Lisa and their staff have been great. So I'm partial to Tobacco Road. Um, there's a place called Mateo. It's a tapia place, like a small yeah. Mexican plate. Oh, my gosh. That is phenomenal stuff. Um, if I keep trying to name restaurants, I'm going to leave a bunch <laughs> of them out. But basically, if you just go park in downtown Durham and walk five minutes anyway, you're going to find a tremendous restaurant. So if, you, if you're out and about and want to go do some takeout somewhere, go to Durham because you will not be disappointed. No doubt about it. And Tobacco Road is right there, folks, right there at the ballpark. Yeah, it's, uh, the left right field on top area. of the Blue Monster. Yeah, so once, once baseball comes back, hopefully this year, Go see a Bulls game and go eat at Tobacco Road. They would appreciate it, and I'm sure all of the small businesses and restaurants would appreciate it uh, because we're going to need to do some work to recover the economy, I think, once this thing passes. No doubt. What about for – I know you uh, You said – you told us beforehand with with Duke and obviously still there, uh, WPTF and Raleigh, you're working there. You've got some other things going on, uh, obviously the podcast starting up. Uh, what about for other freelancers? How do they handle – uh, because you're a freelancer, how do they handle the, not only the time off, but how am I? Gonna, I guess you're going to any job you can right now. Yeah, it, it's tough. And I, I, we were talking about this earlier before we came on and did the podcast. And I feel for all those people. Um, I've, I've been very fortunate in this situation uh, that Duke has still said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep paying you. We want you to do some content stuff." So I'm creating some content for GoDuke.com, doing some social media stuff. I'm actually hosting a couple of podcasts for Duke Athletics as well. Um, so I, I'm busy, and I'm thankful for that. But for other guys, I think of a guy that you guys know really well, Corey Gore, uh, down in Greenville, and the job that yeah. Corey does called ECU baseball games, and he does a phenomenal job. And he's a guy that just moved to Greenville right before the season started, and now Corey's got to figure out what, what is the next step. And I've talked to a lot of broadcasters that I'm friends with, and I try one day a week, whether this is good or bad, I try to check in with a bunch of people I know, a lot of friends of mine, just say, hey, how you doing? What can I do to help? Do you just want to talk about stuff? Um, and I think a lot, a lot of those guys, their only source of income now is maybe to file for unemployment because that's all we can do. But we know sports are going to come back, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And obviously you don't want to sacrifice the job that you have or, or the gig that you have with your school to go get a full-time job somewhere else and stop chasing your dream. I think that's the, the biggest course of action that I've heard of a lot of guys taking. Um, but it's not just guys that call games that are impacted. And, look, I know that sports, we're lucky because we get to live our passion every day. I mean, how many people get to work in what they really want to do? Um, and I don't, I'm not here looking for people to feel sorry for me or anybody else that works in sports because we get to go talk about sports and live sports every single day for our job. And how lucky are we? We're a lot luckier than a lot of other people. So I get that. But it's not just people that call the games that are impacted. It's the people who run the cameras, that produce the games, direct the games, that run sound, that do so many other things, but have now lost their entire livelihood. Fortunately for those folks, I think they're a lot more talented than I am and the folks that are on the air, so they can go out and they can do multiple jobs and they can work in different industries and pick right up. But it's tough because they don't know where their next paycheck is coming from. They're not exactly sure when sports are going to come back because none of us are. So I, I feel for all, all these people that have to go through it. And like I said, it's not just us. It's, you know, people who own small businesses. It's farmers. It's it's every industry has been affected. I, I know a friend of mine who doesn't work in sports that had a new job, uh, was on the two-week break between their old job and their new job. And because of the, the COVID-19, the new place were sending their job offer. And so this couple, my friend and, and his wife, they ended up losing a house they were going to buy because they weren't able to afford the house payment because of the new job didn't come through. So, look, there are people that are a lot worse off than I am, um, 
and I'm just I'm thankful every day for, for what I have and for how lucky I've been that I'm healthy that we're you know, most of us I, I hope are healthy that we're staying inside uh, and I'm just hoping that this uh, this whole epidemic ends uh, pretty soon. No doubt about it. Uh, before we let you go, how can people follow you on as far as social media and certainly the podcast? One more time. Yeah, appreciate you guys asking. I'm on Twitter at Chris underscore underscore Edwards. Make sure you have the second underscore. You will not get me. So that's Chris underscore underscore Edwards on Twitter. And then the podcast is at Fairpole Podcast as well. But appreciate the follow and the download. Of course, there are room. There's room in everyone's life for two podcasts, right? Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's podcasts and podcasts, so absolutely, uh, no doubt about it. Thanks, Chris, so much, and we're gonna keep praying hard for all the small businesses out there, all of our friends that are in all different types of. I've got a friend that's a travel agent, losing a lot of money right oh, now. Yeah. Thinking about you guys, freelancers, and uh, certainly all the people in sports, and we could go on and on airlines. But thank you so much for the time. Looking forward to continuing listening as a fan of the podcast of yours and. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, look, next time we come on, we're going to talk about sports and good times. Yeah, let's do that. I appreciate you guys having me as always, and looking forward to our next chat already. And that ball is, is actually going foul. No, it's fair. Uh, I love the – we talked about that. I never thought about that, the fair pole instead yeah. of the foul pole. So yeah, That's a that conversation. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, it's just funny how um, things that are so obvious you never think about – and then you feel bad. I feel bad that I didn't think about that. I'm all, like I said in the interview, April 14th, I'm 47. I've had 47 years to come up with that, something that's so simple. Um, but, you know, Chris Edwards is a very smart dude and a friend of the podcast. Appreciate him very much. And we're thinking about you, Chris. And there's so many people that we have friends that we know that have been affected, unfortunately, um, by uh, the coronavirus, and by the way, guys, uh, Roy Cooper, the governor of North Carolina, we know we reach around the world. Uh, appreciate all the people listening around the world to the sports objective, but our governor in North Carolina, where we're based out of, uh, sometime this week, people are supposed to get unemployment benefits, um, so that's going to be outstanding for people that are laid off temporarily, or uh, there's less restrictions there. I know President Trump, um, the stimulus package they have where they're going to give some money there for people that are unemployed right now. Um, the check should be going out in the next. I'm I'm here in a few weeks. See what Canada's doing. What are they doing now? In addition to their provinces' unemployment checks, uh, the country of Canada uh, during the coronavirus outbreak is going to send everybody who loses their job two thousand dollars a month until this is over. Well, we know he actually. Um, didn't Trudeau get the, the coronavirus, the prime minister? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I believe that Way right. back like a week or so ago, I think. But um, And then, obviously, the prime minister of the U.K. got it, too. So Prince Charles got it. Um, just amazing how many. How about the owner of the Knicks? That's not surprising. It, it, it goes back to me. You know, I don't want to get into a whole discussion here. But it goes back to my theory. And I understand these people travel more. But it just goes back to my theory. Because I think more of it's out there than what's being reported. Because... The amount of famous people that are getting it, to me, it's just a rule of logic. If I'm hearing about XYZ has got it, then it just tells me it's out there more. Because what are the odds otherwise that all these famous people are getting it? I don't know other than they're being tested. Um, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of, but... Um, you know, it's a, it's a really difficult time on a lot of different... Brunch and hopefully, my hope is um, that today on um, 94.3 The Game, Clay Travis, who of Fox Sports does a morning show, I'll kick the coverage. Um, he's actually, uh, two things that he's said today, guys, that I want to get your thoughts on. He talked about, he's hopeful uh, by the way things are going that maybe we could be back as far as the sports in our world uh, with, the, with the pro teams back in leagues back in June, so... I don't know. We'll see. I don't know where he's getting that from. Um, it would be it'd be great, but uh, uh, June. Um, I doubt it. I hope that's the case because that means things went really well. Um, but um, numbers were up again today. Uh, so uh, I mean. I, I think it, you can expect. I well, I think what you're, you're going to have to see is what's going to happen over 
Um, it, it depends on where you are in the country, obviously. Um, like It's like the weather. So somebody has what we're listening right now. It's raining. Somebody listening right now. It's going to be um, there's going to be sunshine. Some places are going to be warmer than others. Um, for us in North Carolina, there are people talking about the the fact that it's yet to hit us yet, like really hit us yet. No, it's um, coming. So the next the next two or three weeks is going to be. You look at by the end of April, we'll have a really good idea over the next few weeks about how things it's like in other words this right now not to hype it up but this right now is a very critical point for how we're handling the virus how people individually are handling the virus too sure we have 143,532 as we record this podcast confirmed cases in america um and so i mean you know it depends on what we get to i mean you, you, some estimates have have us you know i've seen some estimates uh, the doctor that uh, works for Trump, uh, what's his name, the head of uh, infectious diseases for uh, the United States. Um, yes, know I'm talking about. Oh, the uh, doctor, yeah. Oh, my God. The old, my. The old, the old white doctor. The, the, the Yankee got a very distinct voice. Yeah. Uh, that guy, He he his recent projections are uh, 200,000 200, people in America. Um, if that's the case, I seriously doubt we're playing ball by June. Um, if not, then uh, if he's wrong, which I hope to God he is, um, then I, we could see it. Um, well, I think what he's saying. I think what he's saying is, um, is that's the worst case scenario. And I think you know, off the po- um, off the podcast before the show, um, you talked about numbers. I think that he's saying there is a potential that to to let people know this is serious and for not to uh, take it for granted. And it's up to, I'm not sure that he's saying up to 200,000 people will die. I mean, the 200,000 will die. I think that he's saying if we don't, in other words, if we don't take the restrictions and people don't take it seriously, it can get to that point. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, that's the way I interpret it. I mean, it could definitely be, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> I'm in favor of, of locking things down even tighter and trying to get this thing over with as soon as possible. It's better to get hit in the face all at one time than it is to beat to death slowly. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is that, um, like we talked about before, um, Kyle, we talked off there on the podcast too, is that people need to, if they will just, on a very, very small scale, so bear with me on this, but I'm trying to make an analogy. My mom always used to, used to tell us as far as um, when we were sick with a cold, she would say, give into it, give into it. And there was time for me, um, I can speak for myself, I was stubborn, and I didn't listen to her. I didn't give into it, and it just lingered on. The cold lingered on. If I had just given into it, like I, if I had listened to my mom, um, then the cold would have gone away faster. It's, it's on a much bigger scale, more complex, obviously, here, that if people will um, give into it for a few weeks, and I know you said that a lot, Kyle. And you mean give into the quarantine, not give into the coronavirus. Given to the quarantine, yes. I'm saying, in other words, if you... Well, when you um, given, use that allergy of a, of a cold, people may get confused of what you're telling them to give into. Okay, so, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, just I'm just saying the fact is, to get when I say give into it, I'm just saying literally that the quarantine is, is here, and Governor Cooper, I think, did a great job of... They're trying to give you basically a voluntary... Um, people don't realize it, a voluntary way of staying home, and yeah. that if people continue... You know, we have people right now. Well, you uh, know what? They're still partying. It's voluntary to a point, Dave. Um, but when when you have some businesses that are making people come to work, um, outside of medical stuff that has to be done, then uh, then then it's not voluntary. Um, if you think you're going to lose your job if you don't show up, so uh, you know, I I kind of wish, you know, far be it from me who uh, I'm. You guys know me. I, I I'm I'm not. Of the three of us, I'd be the most likely to be pro law enforcement, and and not that I'm against law enforcement. But you know, you, you you guys know what I'm trying to say. And uh, I, right now, I'm in favor of martial law. I mean, shut this stuff down, shut it down, and make people stay in their house. Yeah, uh, so one of the things that I would say, so in a future podcast here in the next episode or two, we will have a couple of. Uh, very well-known guest um, pertaining to East Carolina football, uh, so definitely stay tuned. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it a surprise. Uh, 
So, um, but both of these people, at least one of them, but probably both, both of these people that really follow it and have for the last 25 years or so will certainly know who, uh, the second of these guys is as well. Yeah. Well, I think people will know who they both are. And, uh, one of them will, uh, will, will certainly should create some excitement. And also, uh, Bubba, we got a, we're going to have a promotion coming up that, uh, We'll announce, and, uh, and you, you, I think we've gone too deep into the podcast now to mention it, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll announce that promotion and uh, get it out here on social media soon. It should be fun for Pirate fans to do uh, while they're sitting at home quarantine. Yep, no doubt. And we, we'll have a couple, a couple of those headed their way, uh, one pertaining to, to music. Um, I'll leave it at that. And, uh, and then also uh, one that's pertaining to Pirate trivia. Yep. All right, so... Uh, that's it. I hope y'all enjoyed the show, and uh, we'll have our next show out later this week. And for Bubba Rosenbaum and Dave Richmond, this is Kyle from LaGrange Barber for the Sports Objective Podcast. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.